Welcome back, listeners. Uh, Allie, in segment one, we spent quite a bit of time on um, the really heavy corn rootworm pressure we're seeing across southeast Minnesota right now. And we're just going to discuss, you know, Allie, if we are sticky trapping, um, you know, maybe the numbers that we're looking for and, and maybe what are the options or the actions that we need to take based on the pressure that we're seeing. Yeah, so if we were out in a field trapping for corn rootworm beetles um, and you have under 20 beetles per trap per week, that would be considered a low rootworm population. So as we start to think about next year, what are some things you'd want to consider? I mean, you can keep it pretty easy. So if you've got low populations, you could continue to, to rotate that crop into soybeans or alfalfa or whatever that might be just to keep yourself on rotation. Um, and then, you know, if you were to plant a non-traded rootworm product, you could still choose to, to apply that soil insecticide. But my take in low populations is probably you're able to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, the group that I'm more concerned about is as we move into that moderate group, so your traps are, are closer to 20 to 50 beetles per trap per week, um, and someone finds themselves in this moderate uh, beetle count, Josh, what are those things we need to think about? Yeah, as we, as we get to moderate, um, you know, pressure, in most cases there, we're, we're really going to strongly suggest to, to use the trait. And through some of the local trials I've done through the past, it seems like in that category, the trait is, is your best option there. And we'll usually even outperform a, a good granular soil applied insecticide along the way. And uh, that's kind of how we'd you know, manage that moderate. As we get into that high category of that alley where maybe we're 50 or above, um, that's where we're really going to encourage rotation, uh, or in some cases, if rotation just isn't going to be an option, it's going to stay corn. It's going to take, um, you know, the trait, you know, a good dual dual mode of action below ground trait plus a good soil applied insecticide to likely handle that. And that's some of the stuff we're dealing with right now, Ellie, where we're seeing this heavy pressure. We we were likely in that high category last year, and we're seeing that. Um, without utilizing both the trait and the insecticide, we're really struggling. So then, Allie, the big question is then, well, why would I buy a trait if you have to use insecticide as well, Allie? That's kind of a, a common question we get. And, and really what it boils down to is just that there, there's too many. You know, when you look at a trait, they, they got to be able to feed on some for the trait to work. And when the, when the root system just gets overwhelmed by sheer population, um, it's just going to take more than just an insecticide or more than just a trait to get there. But in a perfect world, Allie, we'd like to rotate because that just resets the whole cycle for that field. It'll it'll drop that population nearly to zero, and uh, we can kind of get going back there. But um, going to be a lot of conversation we've got to have on that, looking at rotation. But if we do got to stay in corn, you know, we're going to have to be really aggressive on the management and, um, you know, see where it all goes forward. But, um, yeah, just a lot of stuff to, to to be on top of here as we get ready for next year's scrub. I think as a wrap up too, so you talked about, we fully recognize that on every operation, you might not have that option to rotate into an, an additional crop if you need to keep those acres corn on corn for feed purposes or, or other situations. But, you know, just always remembering that I think this year, the biggest thing in our eyes is that once we get past those three plus years corn on corn, we'd like to see you rotate if you're able to. And what's aggressively really bringing itself to the surface this year that even in some not very long-term corn on corn fields, we're seeing some aggressively high amount of feeding. So that's why we're really wanna make sure we're bringing it to everyone's attention and keep an eye on this as we continue to move forward and, and then eventually make decisions for next year. Anything else on the corn rootworm side of things that we're missing, Josh, before you um, move on? 
Probably just one quick last thing. Uh, if you are still planning to spray fungicide, but you haven't yet, uh, maybe get out there in front of those fields, take a look at how many beetles are out there. Um, adding an insecticide to that fungicide application can help, uh, you know, knock down some beetles, reduce some egg laying. It, uh, you won't get them all. It's, it's not a cure-all, but it, it can be a piece of the, the integrated pest management program of uh, trying to control just the, the sheer population. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think as we keep on track with maybe the fungicide side of things, uh, we have, we went through last week some of the decisions that go into some of the, the topics that go into making some of these fungicide decisions. And one of those that we're keeping an eye on is as we move into this time of making these applications, if you're seeing um, disease on those corn plants prior uh, to making that application, that's going to make it a for sure pull the trigger uh, and add a fungicide to your to your corn crop. So Josh, I think that just leads us into what are you seeing disease wise as you get east of 52? Yeah, it, it's been interesting. Um, you know, the northern corn leaf fly pressure, I haven't seen a lot of that. And when you do kind of look at northern corn leaf fly, it really thrives in a little bit, just maybe average or slightly below average temperatures where we've been trending above. Um, I've been getting a lot of, you know, pest and threat IDs from Pioneer. We're doing some modeling and, and things, and they've really been targeting southeast Minnesota for some gray leaf spot. And um, really over the weekend, I've had some reports and, and seen some gray leaf spot in the valleys really starting to show up. And uh, if we are seeing that uh, progressing on the leaves, um, that could be something we want to keep a close eye on. And if, it, if it's not tassel or still in that fungicide window, I'm going to strongly encourage to, to try to control that and slow it down because uh, we got a long ways to go if that keeps expanding and weather stays favorable. Um, yeah, hang on. It can be a rough road. Yeah, and I, I'd agree with you on the gray leaf spot. West of 52, we've just started to observe a few more lesions here and there. Initially, I was vetting between is this bacterial leaf streak, which fungicide would not have a control on that, obviously, uh, or gray leaf spot. And uh, earlier on, we were seeing more bacterial leaf streak, but as we get closer to VT or VT plus, in a lot of cases, I am seeing more gray leaf spots. So something to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, that sounds great. And just one last thing, if you're not, a, you know, maybe not the best at identifying a disease, uh, Pioneer Seeds app, Thread ID, you can take pictures of diseases and it helps you identify what they are. A pretty cool app. Be sure to go to the App Store and get that downloaded. With that, Allie, that's it for this week and we'll have uh, plenty more to talk about next week.